Welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. Stories That Shape Us is a daily podcast where I share my perspective on how different experiences influence our view of self, how we interact with others, and how we show up in the world. Hello and welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. This week on Stories That Shape Us, I'm going to be dealing with, well, perhaps for the first couple of days on the stories that shape us, I'm going to be dealing with the subject of abuse. And so I want to let you know now from the beginning, the topic is going to be challenging, especially for today's topic. And so if you are ready to be challenged and empowered, stick around. But if you are not and you're a little bit sensitive with the, to the subject, then I'm suggesting that maybe you, you wouldn't want to listen to this one or these couple of podcasts that is coming up. But if you if you want to be challenged um, to grow, then stick around. Uh, for those who are regular members of this community, I know that you will understand this, this content and the subject and the necessity of talking about it. So here we go. So today's topic is a woman is not owned by her, as her husband. That's cultural, it's not biblical, that a woman is owned by her husband. And that's why I made the disclaimer at the beginning that if you're ready to grow, then you can stay. If not, then you might find this challenging. But a woman's not owned by her husband. I know that, and I posted this this week on my Facebook page, on Wounds and Scars Facebook page. And, you know, somebody said something that was really important. She said, isn't it sad that we still have to say this? And it's unfortunate that we still have to say it, that we're not owned by anyone except God. And that any husband who wants to own their wives, and that's an issue. And we need to, what we need to understand is why do you want to own somebody? And when you own somebody, when somebody's your property, how do you how do you treat them? Um, so and, and I suggest that oftentimes the man that has this mindset doesn't treat his wife with respect and with care and with with compassion and with empathy. And, and, and love and kindness, oftentimes that's not what happens. So the ownership, the ownership, it means that I can hit you, means that I can, I can control you, I can manipulate you. Whatever I say, you have to do it. And what I say goes, and this is how things should be. So it's nothing to do with care and love and we belong to each other. It's more about let me just treat you as my property, seeing, seeing that that's what you are. And oftentimes people, people who teach submission sometimes teach it from this perspective and, and maybe men leave with a, a view that they are, that my, I own my wife. And this topic today was influenced by a, um, an article, not an article, but a, a maybe it was a question or a, a dear auntie Susie thing that I saw in Adventist Today magazine where a woman wrote that her, she's married to a pastor and he beats her and she told him it's not biblical, but he says that, you know, he owns her so he can do whatever he wants. And when she goes to church, she hear other men talk about how they keep their wives in line by beating them. And I, and I thought how in, incredible is this, that they are men who are, Christian men who are supposed to be teachers of truth, um, not only through speaking it, but through living it, is having this idea 
of ownership. Um, so if a man is telling you that he owns you, it's an excuse for abuse. Oftentimes they'll drop this in as well as the submission piece when they have done something that is harmful, they've hit you or they've controlled you, manipulate you, they're, they've done a lot of shame, a lot of eroding off your self-esteem. And they will say this at this time because it almost is stamp approving their behavior with some Bible. And it's it's not. This, this does not reflect the heart of God. And, and that's why it's important to know his heart for ourselves so that when people are telling us who he is not, we will know, we will know who he is not. So we will know that this thing that they're telling us not to, not anything to do with God. And so we'll be able to differentiate what is culture, what is Bible, and not even so much religion, because sometimes there, there are aspects of some religion that, in, that teaches and encourages and um, encourages abuse and that sees the woman as ownership and in, inferior. So I, I would say not even religion so much as what the Bible says and what does God say and what's his heart for, for us and for you. So that, that's what I'd say it's easier to go. So when a man say that he's either excusing his abuse or he's laying the foundation for abuse or using it as a statement to justify abuse. So think about it in context of how it's been said, who is saying it, when they're saying it. If you're dating somebody, sisters, who has this view, run fast because this is not going to change. It's not cute. He's not only saying it, you know, to, to, to be controversial. Find out if he believes it. And if he believes it, and it's important for you to know that that belief system is not going to change. And if he owns you, that means he can do anything to you and with you. You don't have, you don't get to have a say. You don't get to participate in decision making. You don't get to have an opinion. You don't get to express that opinion. You don't get to make decisions for yourself. Your autonomy will be taken. Your, your sense of self will be taken. The, the, the gift of willpower and decision making that God has given you will be taken. It will be stamped out and silenced. Because if somebody owns you, then their voice is going to be the overriding voice that you hear. Their opinions will be the opinions that should they feel guide you. Your individuality will be taken. And nobody should take that because we praise God out of our individualities, right? But that will be taken and you should become an image of them. Whose image should we reflect? Right. And it's so it's not even possible for you to reflect their image. So if if somebody is saying that, please, please be please be careful that this won't change. This viewpoint will not change at all. If you've ever had if you've ever had a need to exert power over someone, anybody who has a need to exert power over someone has a problem when you can't do a mutually sharing relationship, when you can't listen when you can't allow somebody else, somebody else's opinions to, you can't consider somebody else's opinion. When you have to be in control and your word have to be last, when what you say have to go, something is wrong. Because why do you need so much power? If you're in a relationship where the next person is doing this, something is wrong. Because nobody should, nobody's viewpoint in a relationship, one that's healthy, is overriding. I know sometimes I hear like the man should get the last say, 
why God should have the last say. Why don't we go together in fasting and prayer and ask God how he feels about this decision, what he thinks about this situation. We see, we see many examples of that throughout scripture. For example, in 2 Chronicles 20, when Jehoshaphat, the armies came, he called a fast in, throughout Judah. Everybody did. And they sought the Lord and he answered. So if there's something that, if there's a decision that needs to be made, uh, as opposed to thinking you in your infallible self, in your fallible self rather, feel that your decision is the right one and should take precedence, why don't you call a fast in your home? I know this will take a lot of humility, but this is what Jesus, this is his method. Call a fast in the home. So that everybody, there's this big decision. If you don't want to include the children because they might be too young, you and your spouse fast. Call a fast in the house. Say, let us all fast about this thing and pray about it because, because um, we want to know what God says we should do. You and your spouse call a fast. We're, we, we, we have different opinions on this idea. I feel strongly in this direction and you feel strongly in this direction. Let us shelve the decision for a while and let us fast and pray and ask God for his guidance. And so we're not trying to convince the other of our position. I, you know, as I'm saying this, I think of a church that is healthy, will take this position too. And because people are in leadership, wouldn't naturally feel like their decision is the better decision. And if it's a place of stuckness, fast and pray until God sends answers. So we're not spiritually abusing or emotionally abusing anyone with what we feel should happen. I think sometimes when we have children and we want them to make decisions as well, especially when they're in the older teen years and they're making decisions about university and career or where to move to. And there's a battle sometimes in what you want and what they want. Then we call a fast and said, let us pray about this and ask God for his guidance. You know, when they're younger and we're making the decisions, we still sometimes need to go to God because we can't assume that we know. And so I know I've extended this a little bit because the, the model for relationships is 1 Corinthians 13, where we're going to love. Because um, I was listening to 1 Corinthians this morning, and though we might prophesy, we might speak, and we might have this, the, tongue, the tongues of men and of angels, but if we don't have love, we don't have anything. And I submit to you, friends, that there is, it's not love when somebody else wants to own you and control you. When somebody else feels like their decision is the best one and the only one and nothing else will, will work. It's not love when you're not being listened to and your thoughts are not valid and valued. It's not love when you're put down, when you're isolated from your family and friends, when you're hit. It's not love. It's not love when anybody's telling you that you're owned by somebody else and that it's okay for them to treat you the way they do because they own you. Doesn't matter how much scripture this person quote, doesn't matter how many Bible scholars they quote, prophet, it doesn't matter what they do. That's not the heart of God. And so I want to invite you to get to know him for yourself so that you know. If you're listening to this and you recognize these patterns in your relationship, because it will be accompanied by so many other things like lying, it will be accompanied by cheating, it will it will sometimes be accompanied by you know pornography use. And many other things will accompany this while they're trying to tell you and, and suggest to you, or suggest to you that you're owned by them. If you are listening to this and you recognize these patterns in your relationship, 
it might be really shocking to hear it and to to see to see it for what it is take a deep breath sit with it pray through it and ask god what you should do next because sometimes it's very difficult um when we are hearing these things for the first time to decide what to do but god wants to guide you and he wants to lead you out of a place where you're being harmed constantly where your self-esteem is constantly be under attack and people because they feel like they own you and it doesn't matter um i was going, was going to say it doesn't doesn't matter what they've done in order to marry you because i know in some cultures in some cultures there are the bride prices paid and because of that sometimes the man and his family feels like they own you and therefore they can do anything to you because they pay this bride price that's not of god nobody owns you it doesn't matter what the, the demands of culture were that you got to marry to someone you're not owned beloved by anyone except god and he loves you with an everlasting love he sent jesus to die on your behalf nobody else gets to be your your decision maker nobody else gets to be your thoughts your your nobody else gets to take your individuality and your sense of self nobody gets to do that nobody your 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 price is of infinite value the son of god died for you so somebody who paid a bride price however much it was don't they can never paid what jesus did for you you're of infinite value they don't have that much so they don't get to manipulate control abuse harm shame you into submission to their will you know so if you hear yourself in this story just sit with it take some time and pray through it and ask god for your next steps because i've seen it over many years that he does give next steps now next step sometimes takes a lot of courage and you might need some hand holding with that courage but ask him to send people to hold your hand as you do the next steps thank you for joining me in this episode of stories that shape us i hope you'll join me on the next story Thank you for listening to Stories That Shape Us with Joanna Daniel. To learn more about Wounds to Scars and the work that we do with adult survivors of childhood trauma and women who experience abuse, you can visit our website at woundstoscars.com.